Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Boom Goddess Podcast Project with your hosts, myself, Dr. Andrea Goldmarks, Jennifer Davis Page, and Bibi Peters. This podcast aims to ignite inspiration in primetime women by creating a super learning community, a safe space for all women to contribute their voices and visions. For more information on this episode, and to learn more, visit us at BoomGoddessRadio.com. Jen, so you're always wanting to do interviews with women who turn 100. Uh, and that's a fascinating topic for us to look at closer in the future. But um, what about this little uh, article that you were talking about from uh, the Huffington Post? The Huffington Post had an interesting article uh, called Why Friends May Be Your Ticket to Living to Be 100. Now, if we all want to live to be 100, I think that's admirable. Uh, if we're in good health... And the article said something that was very interesting to me. It says, ultimately, lifestyle is the piece that we can control. So most longevity research, research into lifespan, has focused upon this. Most of us know that eating a diet rich in fruit and vegetables, not smoking, drinking in moderation, and reducing stress in our lives is the way to go. But one additional vital ingredient is missing from this menu. That ingredient is friends. Ah. It turns out that the positive effect of regular social contact to a person's health is about as strong as the effect of blood pressure, smoking, alcohol habits, obesity, and eating a healthy diet, which I found to be fascinating. Did you know that your girlfriend could could help you stay healthy and and well and and your and your boyfriend i mean this is this is incredible information and why do you think that is i think the main reason is that being able to have social contact reduces your stress level reduces your feeling of aloneness can reduce your anxiety can absolutely ensure against depression And I think it also opens the door to share what you're holding inside. Not everyone has the luxury of speaking with a counselor, let's say, on a weekly or a monthly basis. So the girlfriends that we have in our life uh, appear to me to be those um, wonderful little blankets of luxury that we can... uh, with whom we can share our lives, our secrets, our concerns, and that frees us inside because we can share those emotions. Sharing, sometimes there's a quote that says, joy shared is doubled, misery shared is halved. Mm -hmm. And I like to think about that because both ways, the relationship with certain friends and we, we all know that there are certain friends that can be a bit of a drain on us. Oprah used to talk about toxic relationships that would imbue more stress into, our, into ourselves than reduce the stress. So I think there's something to be said for the kind of friendship that we cultivate 
and many of us know intuitively who those friends are. And I think that something just surfaced here, and that's that the skill of friendship, the ability to build foundations in friendship Mm -hmm. is really a juicy topic and one that we might address today with some of our guests on the show. Just how do we build friendships and then how do we maintain those? And are we even conscious at certain ages that there is some skill involved in that? And at a certain age, do we because we're accustomed to having our children around us and our grandchildren around us, do we have the skill to develop a new relationship when we're 85, for example? Do we know how to do that? And I think that's something that we can address at some point as well. I think that's the theme of today's show. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us, Sharon from Massachusetts. So your experience of friendship, or maybe the foundations of friendship, you know, the research indicates that friendships are necessary for longevity, but the how we build them and the how we maintain them is really, I think, the operative issue here. What do you think? I agree. And so we'd like to find out from a few people how do you maintain your friendships how do you ensure that those friendships that you treasure actually remain in your life well that's an interesting question i think one has to bring a conscious intention to want to keep that friendship going and There has to be, I guess, a purpose uh, for that to occur. So I think it's conscious and intentional. Uh, I think it rises out of propinquity. Uh, You know, you come across people in your life, and for some reason or other, you get attracted. Uh, Mainly, I think it has to do with liking. You're alike, and you like each other, and something develops. The thing that develops has value. For you personally, what would what would factor into the liking issue? Is it similarity or is it something else? Well, I think for me, I, when I look at my long-term relationships, and I would call them all friendships as well, you know, my husband, I would say, is my best friend. Uh, and it had, for me, I think it has to do with, a lot of it has to do with doing, that we like to do similar things, we like to talk about similar things, is a sharing. Well, it's interesting because um, sometimes when you meet people and it could be their smile, it could be... Uh, it, it could be anything. So what we're talking about here is communication. Absolutely. Yes, and uh, right. being able to exchange our ideas in sort of a free way, unencumbered way, and uh, hope and belief that the other person will attempt to understand you from your perspective, kind of walk in your shoes a little bit. I think that that brings up the issue of validation. 
I think what Sharon was saying about liking seems to me like validation. If you feel that the person that you're friendly with sees things the same way as you do on the one hand, and if there's a difference, doesn't make you bad for holding that difference of opinion. And I think that we see so much of it these days when we're talking about politics, which is a really dicey topic. Sharon, what do you think about that? I think that communication is key. As you, you know, as you pointed out uh, on, on the show, the previous show, that when people don't communicate about where they are, et cetera, then you can have falling out. And I agree with uh, the lady, I can't remember who it was, who said that uh, sometimes we, we need to push through and communicate even though it's uncomfortable and not let it go. And for me, I find that sometimes, and with some people, I can't communicate fully about what the issue is, it's too uncomfortable, and I don't think that it would be productive with the other person. Yet, I don't let go of communicating about other things. And I stay in touch, and sometimes it's awkward. Uh, and it's not the way it was. But ultimately, it seems to come back. But I, I do totally agree that if you want to maintain the friendship, you need to maintain contact. I think that's a very good point. There's a difference between contact and communication. And it brings up another interesting point about when it's appropriate to circumvent that really sore place mm -hmm. and just exactly. kind of stay with the rest of the relationship until such time as that either dissipates or becomes irrelevant. Uh, Sharon, a couple of tactical questions too, or a question relative to what form of communication with your friends do you enjoy, do you employ? Meaning, do you email them? Do you call them? Do you text them? Do you visit them? What is kind of the predominant uh, mode of operation for you and your friends? Well, I would say all, all of the above. And uh, now that, you know, my friends are scattered, now that we've all retired, et cetera, I do a lot of telephone. I, I, I enjoy the telephone. I also do email and text. It's all, it's all there, all available. Yes. And visits. Visits are important, too. And I, I found that at low points for friends and, and for friendships, when I've made the effort to visit, it's made such a difference. You're absolutely right, Sharon. I think nothing, email is wonderful, texting is wonderful, this new technology is wonderful, but there's nothing will, I, as far as I'm concerned, will take the place of that voice on the end of the phone. And the other thing that you've said that was we hear quite often is that your husband is your best friend. That's a very lovely concept. But I wanted to ask you, has... Um, has the fact that he's your best friend, has that altered and how in any way the relationships that you have with your girl friends? Has it modified it? Thank you. That's very interesting. And I think that's a, it's a huge issue with women and friends and the men and when the men come into the picture. And 
while my husband, you know, he's my partner and et cetera, and we're for each other and, and close, women play a different role. My women friends, I, I don't have a many, many. I have a lot of acquaintances, a, a few very close women friends, and I've had to consciously sit them in and, and have them be welcomed and, you know, work with him in his acceptance of them in my life. Right. It's, you know, it's one of those things people do get, uh, you know, people can get jealous, friends can get envious of each other, however you want to call it. And we have to just be conscious of it, I think. Yes, I like that we're talking about those ideas like envy and jealousy and that we're comfortable in ex- in expressing those th- thoughts. They are the real operative dynamics in relationship, many of them off often hidden and not discussed. So thank you for bringing those up. And I think maybe in a future show, we'd like to go more deeply into the effect of our relationships and partnerships and how those specific kinds of relationships affect our the frequency of our friendships and the quality and the kind of contact that we can have where it may not be so much the visiting as much as the early morning or late night phone calls. Thank you so much for uh, being in touch, for allowing us to visit with you this morning. Oh, my pleasure. And we look forward to seeing you and listening to you and listening in with you down the road. So stay with it, Sharon. Thank you for joining us. You're listening to Boom Goddess Radio, and we're here with B.B. Peters, Jennifer Davis-Page, and myself, Dr. Andrea Goldmarks, and we're we're still talking about friendship, such a ripe and generous topic with so many facets to it. That is so true. And it seems that uh, the universe is complying and giving us all these opportunities and ideas from folks who want to continue talking about derailed friendships. That seems to be, that seems to be a topic that has hit people uh, right in the heart. Uh, last night I was having uh, a, a little happy hour outing with a male friend of mine who happens to be gay, and he was just breaking up with a friend that he was with for 35 years. Not a partner, a friend. And of all things, it seemed that they are breaking up because uh, one of them claimed that they haven't seen each other for two years, whereas the other one is convinced that it's been three years. And it is that minor little thing that has gotten them riled up to where they're now breaking up a 35-year friendship. And that's where it all begins, right? And when you look at what that, the, the underlying meaning there is that For one of the friends, it sounds like whatever the amount of time was, was just too damn long and angered or hurt, generally hurt first, anger second. And that that's what rose up. It was insufficient for him. 
I think that is so correct because uh, they have had those tumultuous exchanges in the past during the past 35 years. But I think that this one was just the piece that really clicked everyone into place to say, we will no longer go on. So derailment seems to be a very present uh, piece. But I am very eager and uh, in high um, energy to talk about what sustains friendships, right? Because that's what we're kind of talking about this afternoon. And it sounds like insufficient contact is one of the things that harms relationship. And then that introduces the question, what constitutes contact? Does a text work? Can a phone call work? Can a Skype visit work? If full-on visits in person are not possible. So that, it sounds as though there's needs on the one hand, need for contact and how much need there is for how much contact. And then the other is what suffices as contact. What does one consider um, enough of a contact to feel that they're connected? Well, you know, that's that's an excellent point. And I, I sometimes wonder um, whose turn is it? I mean, if there's if there's somebody that uh, if you've got two friends and one is calling and then the other one is expecting her to call. And then all of a sudden she decides, you know, I'm not going to call anymore. I'm going to let her call. I'm going to see how long it takes for her to call me back. So it, it gets kind of a little crazy sometimes between friends. I, I'm sure guy friends as well as girlfriends. And then all of a sudden, you haven't spoken in a month. And then all of a sudden, you know, and then time goes by very quickly. And you don't realize it's Christmas and you haven't spoken since July 4th. So that's what I'm saying. We have to monitor these friendships and we have to, and if they're important to us, we will monitor them. And we just have to figure out between the two of you how that's going to flow you know and if somebody hasn't heard from you in six weeks you just call and say make a decision to call and say i haven't heard from you in six weeks what's what's going on and i don't want six weeks to go by again without me hearing your voice so i think we really have to just stay in touch and make the relationship work if it's going to work and if it's important to you i think there's always that issue of hurt underlying and I think it's really important that we don't get mired in the details but we really recognize that what underlies these disagreements or these squabbles is is hurt one party or the other hurt feeling that they're not as important either as they once were or as other people are yes and when we're talking about building friendships and looking at the foundation that makes them be the type of friendships that they are, I can't help but also think about levels of friendship. There are some people, I have a friend who texts me uh, on every holiday, April Fool's Day, (laughs) on Easter, on Christmas, and she sends these beautiful texts with about seven or 10 emoticons at the end, and they just cheer me up so much. And yet, on a weekly or a monthly basis, we're not in touch, but we have that special line of uh, communication that keeps, that keeps us there. And the key point there is that that mode of communication 
and the the utilization of those emoticons is sufficient under the circumstances. I have a friend who will travel and she once said to me, I like to hear from you when you travel. And so what happens is that when I arrive at the airport, I may send her a couple of emoticons <laughs> just to let her know that I heard her yeah. and that I'm listening to her. That's adorable. And, and she will send me emoticons too. And that's the way we keep in touch because we both have such rapid and, and busy lives. Well, thank goodness for, as I said earlier, thank goodness for emails and, and text messages. What did we do? 10 years ago. Um, what did we do 10 years ago when we couldn't sit at the airport and send something off? Well, there's another yeah. factor here, like uh, Sharon was saying in our conversation with her, and that's that when people move and relocate and maybe more in droves at a certain age, she was mentioning retirement, that didn't happen necessarily 20, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. The factors that... Um, that gave way to friendship then may have been we work with people, we see them every day, mm-hmm. or we're raising children, we see them in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. or at school meetings, or at church or synagogue, what have you. So there is a major change, and our show is really addressing, for the most part, needs of primetime women over 50, and that often includes relocation. Yes, and also it includes leaving your profession, leaving your job, where very often that's the venue where you meet a lot of your friends. So when you don't have that any longer, and perhaps if you move to a new town, that's kind of a double whammy on taking away that opportunity to meet those people. You know, we had an interesting conversation with Flo from Riverside, California, and let's have that, let's hear that conversation because I think some of the relocation issue and its effect on long-term relationships may be a part of what she has to say to us. That sounds great. I love talking to all these women from all over the country. It's so interesting. Great. Let's do it. It is uh, wonderful to have you join us, and um, you're, you know, as far as I'm concerned, your your voice is a, an important voice for us to have. So I I appreciate it immensely. Well, thank you. I um, I appreciate the opportunity. Can you tell us the story uh, of your very precious long term relationship? Okay, I met. Uh, let's see, I met Sandy. Um, I think we were in first grade. We grew up in a, a small town, and um, we lived not on the same block, but like right around the corner. And ironically, we both had fathers who were overly strict and would not allow us out, you know, off the block or to do things that other kids were allowed to do. So I think we were kind of drawn together that way initially. 
um, I think. But no one knows why a, why someone becomes a friend initially. There's something that draws you to them. So we wound up being able to just be in each other's houses. And um, we lived in each other's houses practically. And then growing up um, as children, we were very, very different. Uh, Sandy was um, very outspoken, very um, tomboyish, so to speak. That was my impression at the time growing up. And um, I was I was a big mouth, but I was timid. So she could bully me very easily. And she did all the time. So we would fight and we would make up. We would fight and we would make up, you know. And we stayed friends, both friends, all through elementary school. Then when we got to junior high and high school, your circle of friends widened. And somehow we wound up in different groups. But whenever we'd see each other in the hallways or we had classes together, there was always that that connection. So now we graduate from high school shortly after I moved to California. And um, she wound up in... Louisiana, but I didn't know that. We didn't know that. We lost contact. So as the years went by, I started thinking about her, and my sister still lives in our hometown. And I asked her, I said, please, see if you can ask around and see if anybody knows where Sandy wound up. So she did, and I don't know, shortly after I get a call from her that her Sandy's niece wound up moving right behind my sister. And like I say, it's a small town. So I got Sandy's number. And knowing Sandy, I knew I could do it. I waited till it was about 2 o'clock in the morning in New Orleans. And I'm in California, so it's, I don't know, midnight. So I, I called the phone, take her out of a dead sleep. And I said, where the hell have you been for the last 20 years? <laughs> immediately, immediately she knew who I was and screamed, you know, the whole nine yards. We laughed, we cried. We wound up on that phone at least four hours because I know the sun was coming up. Boom Goddess Radio will continue right after this break. We're Boom Goddess Radio, and we're on the phone with Flo from Riverside, California. Screamed, you know, the whole nine yards. We laughed, we cried. We wound up on that phone at least four hours because I know the sun was coming up. And we've stayed in close contact ever since. Well, as we caught up with each other over the years, we found how our lives paralleled. We both had uh, very highs in our life. We both had very lows. And in a lot of ways, they were similar because they were financial. She um, lost everything in Katrina, everything, Uh, her business, her home, her savings, everything. And, of course, life changed drastically for her. We had a business that we lost. And financially, that changed it for for us. So there was a 
understanding there. And then through the years, we've managed to um, find ways to see each other. She'd come out to California, um, or she came to Vegas. I would meet her there. Uh, we would go back for our high school reunions. And then about a year or so ago, her husband became very ill with a life-threatening illness. And um, I'm kind of skimming over a lot of the years, and then you, if you have any questions. but um, And she was able to talk to me with all the fears, with all the frustrations, with all the things that go along with being a caregiver, a sole caregiver, because, of course, there's no money um, to hire somebody. Well... Um, but we've been, but a lot of our childhood similarities have have kind of gone into adulthood. We went to our high school reunion back in October, and we shared a room. Well, <laughs> we're we're in the bathroom and we're putting our makeup on to go out, and we look at each other, and we've got the same makeup. <laughs> you know, just different small things like that. So, anyway, um, about six or seven months ago, my husband became ill, and I'm the caregiver. And we are able to talk about all the things, all the emotions, all the frustrations without being afraid of being judged, without and with complete understanding, compassion. Um, you can, you can, um, you know, I mean, we can even say things like, you know, wouldn't death be preferable to the life they're living now? And then, and then not have to feel guilty because you're voicing that fear to someone. Um, we accept each other, warts and all, warts, you know, there's no, we don't have to hide what we are. We don't have to impress each other. There's no secrets from each other. Um, there's times when there's almost a mental telepathy thing going. Uh, one of us will call the other one and will say, oh, my God, I needed this call today. And the other will say, somehow we knew that. We just had a feeling. So there's, there's some kind of a mental connection or a heartfelt connection. Um but I do know that the friendship that both of us feel, that the friendship we have for each other is something that has sustained us for many, many years. Um, the loyalty. I'm yes. So blessed and so fortunate for you to have the longevity and, and almost the soulmatedness that this relationship with Sandy sounds like it has been for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Feels it's about like it 63 has been. years. About 63 years we know each other. 63 years. Yep, yep. And and to have 10 or 15 years of our lives go by with no connection at all and to be able to have picked up as if it was yesterday and and go forward with only a stronger bond and a stronger connection and a much stronger friendship. Very few people, Flo, can can say that they've had a girlfriend from 
from first grade or kindergarten until uh, retirement. Uh, so you're really, really very lucky. I don't think I know any of my kindergarten pals. I'd like to say well, that when I was four years old, um, I went around the corner and met a little girl who lived, you know, it sounds like similar to you within the same town, but right around the block. I don't know, back in the day, you could wander around when you were four years right, old and right. actually meet someone. Right, right. But I yeah, actually sure. met a friend um, with whom I, I think be almost the same length of time. And we've been close, and then there have been times where we've lost contact. But it, it can happen. We started first grade together, too. And she's in Colorado now, and we can pick up the phone and pick up where we left right. off. I, I lived in a small town. And um, I went from being sort of a big fish in um, a little pond to a little fish in a big pond when I moved out to California not knowing anybody. And when I moved away, I realized the value of the friends that I had in New York. And I made a conscious effort to keep all my friends. Um, it takes work. It takes time. It takes caring. And I still have quite a few friends from elementary school. We're still close. We still... Um, communicate. We still see each other. We still know what's going on in each other's lives. But the, but um, Sandy and I seem to have reached a different level. Yes, okay. we were talking about um, that, Flo, before, how uh, there are types of levels of friendship that we experience right. in our lives. At times, it right. could be a person that we just text with occasionally or mm -hmm. call uh, at times. And then there are others like your dear friend that you have bonded in such an emotional and close way. But what I loved what you were saying is you were sort of reciting the recipe for friendship. You were talking mm -hmm. about the love, the care, the time, the non-judgment. Those are such mm -hmm. important elements in the build as building blocks for creating those friendships. And also how Absolutely. you learned, by contrast, that when you moved to California, you realized deep in your soul that friendship was important. I'm just curious, how old were you when you moved to California, Flo? I was 27. Uh, there it goes that, you know, there's that can be a life changing experience moving away and then having the realization. And then, as you said, making the conscious effort. But it's only when the feeling becomes conscious that you can actually take the appropriate actions, which is I'm promising myself that I'm not going to lose touch mm -hmm. and how important mm -hmm. friendship is. Absolutely, because. Um, when, when you, when you move to a new place and you meet new people and you make, make, make new friends, okay, in the beginning, you try to put your best foot forward and somehow as an adult, you do not, you're not, you're not as open, um, not as free about your, your feelings or your actions or what good or bad things you may have done in your life. So you're not as. I don't know, maybe the word is honest and, and open, 
as you would be with someone who's known you from the very beginning. There's no secret. Doubtless, doubtless, Flo, it's very, um, a very different story, making friends in a new town. And as a matter of fact, that's going to be the theme of one of our shows coming up. So is it possible that we're going to be able to call you back and then go more deeply into your relocated experience and how that changed oh, yes. your friendship pattern? Absolutely. Because I have, there is a definite, definite difference. The friends you make in adulthood are far different than the friends you make in childhood. I love that you said that. And and we are so excited to have you as one of our correspondents that we can call on for a show that's related but different to this. So we want to thank you for being with us today. That It's really been a very fruitful conversation. Thank you, Flo. Nice to talk to you. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Oh, and you have my a good, pleasure. You have a good day today. And don't forget to listen into the show when we have it online. Thank you. Just please let me know when it is because I'd love to hear it. You bet. You're part of our inner circle and we'll send you a link. You're listening to Boom Goddess Radio, and we're here with Jennifer Davis-Page, B.B. Peters, and myself, Dr. Andrea Goldmarks. We've just had um, the pleasure of listening to the beauty of a long-term soul-mated friendship spanning 63 years. Can you believe 63 years of a friendship? It's hard to believe that something like that can go on for that many years. I was amazed by that number. And to know somebody from first grade until retirement is, is I mean, that's a lifetime of knowing someone. That's a, Usually it's just brothers and sisters that know each other from the cradle to the grave. But this is amazing. So what a blessing it is to have another person holding all of that. And yet we also had a conversation with Lucy where we see the variety of relationships and the variety of relationships and the many people who can each hold certain parts of our life. That's so interesting. Let's listen in to our conversation with Lucy. So, Lucy, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We're talking about friendship, and I couldn't think of a most uh, delicious and valuable person in my life than you to have this discussion with. And what we're so thrilled to do is to be able to connect with women throughout the country. I know we're speaking to you all the way from Palm Springs, California. Welcome. Thank you, and thank you for the nice compliment. (laughs) So tell us, um, you and I know each other from a while back, but one of the things that sort of appeared in my mind was that having been the head of a human resource department for a global architectural firm, you had to do, uh, you had a lot of dealings with, you know, different types of people, different age groups, different people, different needs. So is that where you developed your brilliant and lovely uh, personality relative to building um, friendships 
because it seems to me that wherever you are, there are friends that are really good ones in your life. Well, thank you. And I think it comes from growing up in my family environment and having a large um, family with uh, four siblings and learning to accept each other, I think was the start of it all. And how has that carried you into your professional life and then now your retired life? Well, I think that um, in my retired life, I've learned that we have a variety of friends and we have some that seem to be more involved with my life than others, but both still mean a lot to me. And throughout my work career, I think... um, it was a little different because it was more of a professional friendship. Not everyone that I worked with became what I call great friends. However, I uh, learned to really accept people and love them for what they have to offer. And I always hope that I could offer something in their life to make their life uh, meaningful. You're talking about um, having the desire within yourself to connect in a meaningful way. That's a feeling that originates within you, Lucy. Yes, I think um, it does. And I think that what's important to me is that in relationships that we have some common interests and there's a mutual admiration and appreciation for each other. And I think when it's reciprocated, um, the friendship grows. And it starts with you holding the importance of relationship as a value as well, like you described in your family of origin, non-judgment and acceptance was fundamental to having this group of family members get along with one another. So that sounds like something you internalized at such an early age and the value of acceptance you carried into your adult friendships as well. You made an excellent point because I didn't even think of the fact that our first friends are our brothers and sisters. If we come from a, if we come from a, uh, a family where, where, where we have these, these great siblings, that's where it all starts. I mean, you learn how to get along in a family like that. So that's an excellent point. Either learn how to get along or not get along, yes. And I think it also um, starts with your neighbors because when you're young, you tend to play with the kids that are in your neighborhood and you build friendships with them before you even start going to school. I think one of my friends that I've had since I'm 12 years old and moved back to Canada still a very dear friend to me. I would call her more not-involved friend because we live far away. We no longer have the same interests, but we still will always be friends in our hearts. And how frequently do the two of you talk, or do you just drop notes from time to time? How, how frequently do the two of you still talk? I think we drop notes or talk maybe every few months. Well, that's good. That's a, that's a good relationship. 
We were talking earlier about levels of friendship and uh, how we maintain those and that some people were very close to perhaps because of proximity of where they may live and others uh, we talk more with on the phone. What, what do you think in your own life, what has worked for you best to maintain the levels of friendship that you have? I think that all of it has worked, and I have friends that live far away, and those are often friends that I tend to spend vacations with and travel with and try to find different times to enjoy each other. And then the ones that live nearby, they're the ones you get together with every week, and they're here to help you if you needed any help, and vice versa. And also, I think there's friends for different reasons. Um, there's the friends that you enjoy talking to about maybe their, their work life, and there's the friends that you like talking to about their travel life. I think we have a variety of friends, and we don't have one that fits the full package of what we need sometimes, so we have more than one. Right, right. Would you consider, Lucy, this is Andrea speaking, um, all of your friends, whether they are involved currently or they are less involved, would you consider all of them part of your overall support system? Yes. So that feeling, yes, I... that feeling of support is something that exists within you when you think of your circle? Yes, and I think that, for example, I have a friend, Sam, who lives in Colorado, and we don't talk very often, but know that if I was ever left alone, that she's always said, you know, come live with me, you know, I'll always take care of you kind of thing. And you have friends like that that are not your friends you see every day because she works, I'm retired, she has kids, but I know that, in, you know, that she would always be there for me. That must be a very reassuring feeling to know that as we advance in age, that regardless of what might happen, that there are some people that we can really count to, in a count on in a hands-on kind of way. Would you just repeat that last part, Lucy, because that was a beautiful statement. Uh, we were talking about as we advance in age, it's so soothing to us to know that we can count on people that really would be willing to take care of us in a very concrete, hands-on way. I, I think that I feel the same way that I would help people, and I'm hoping they would always help me too as we age. And we, I did have an experience a few years ago where a, a friend died, and she was a new friend that I've known for a few years, and we became quite close, and she died of cancer, and myself and four other friends were in and took care of her in her last two weeks of her life. And I think that's important to be around for people who need you like that. Yes, you know, that uh, brings to mind, I always... Um knew of you to be one of the most compassionate people. I remember our days at the architectural firm and we would be in our Friday staff meetings with 150 or two or 200 people and you would announce that someone was departing the company and you and you began to cry. Remember those times when you had tears in the, your eyes and we would tease you to no end? Yes, every time, you know what? 
there's something nice that happens to people, I guess get teary-eyed because it's such a nice feeling that yeah. people are having whatever it may be that's happening in their life that's good. Or people say good things about me. I think I, I, it's very touching. And have we made you cry yet this morning? Because we're so appreciative of you being here. Yes, you've, you've touched my soul. Oh, oh, we want to do that. Thank you so much for being with us, Lucy. And what, like we like to say, these are ongoing conversations, and we may very well come back to you as one of our compassionate correspondents when we have some questions in the future. This friendship topic is going to take us for a long ride, so we look forward to chatting with you again. Thank you. And just remember, friendships need to be worked on, and we, they cannot be taken for granted. That's, that's so a, sweet. That's a good closing line. Thank you so much for that. Thanks, Lucy. So this is BB with Boom Goddess Radio, and we're talking about friendships and the recipes for those friendships that inspire and give us goosebumps. And it's so amazing as we speak to different people, and today we've had the opportunity to speak to three different people, that the personalities of each person, whether introverted or extroverted, really does make a difference in the the way we the way we do friendship and the how we do friendship and how it underlines its value to us from health perspective longevity from feeling joy and fullness in our life it appears to be a very integral part of our life it turns out that the positive effect of regular social contact to a person's health is about as strong as the effect of blood pressure smoking, alcohol habits, obesity, and eating a healthy diet. Well, Flo said some, something that I thought um, was, was, was key to this conversation. Because when we have friends, we have them all, they're all different. I mean, you know, you don't have the same relationship with each one. They're all very, very different. And she said that with her friend, she that she's had since since first grade. There's no judgment, no fears, no hiding who you are, no secrets. Now, that could be a relationship that's, that obviously is a relationship that's strong, but that not, may not be how you feel about each and every one. You might keep some secrets from some friends and, and not share as openly with others, but that doesn't mean that they're not still good solid friends so it's 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 as as we've gone through the process of these series of, of friendship sh- of, of friendship shows i've learned a lot about um about the value and how we can uh continue to to grow our our friendships and not feel guilty when i'm not as as um Active? Active with a friend. Yes, thank you for that word. (laughs) As active with some friends as I should be. But I'm going to get better. I'm really going to get better. And uh, and thanks to all of our our, our, our listeners and, and the ladies that have been generous enough with their time to, to spend with us and tell us what they think about friendships. 
I've learned some things. One of the things that Sharon brought up that was another interesting point is how our friendships change or the form that they take when we have an intimate partnership with a husband or um, someone with whom we're living and how that shapes our choices, shapes the quality of the time we have together, and also sharpens our own perception of our needs. So if a partner that we're living with is meeting many of our needs, and maybe not all of our needs, that we choose our friendships to supplement what we do uh, know about ourselves. If we know that we need to go out to the theater on a regular basis and the person we're living with does not appreciate that kind of recreation, then we make other plans. Or if we need to have very deep, um, soulful conversations and our partner may not be able to sustain the interest in those kinds of things, then we have friends that meet those very deep um motivations in us. So it's interesting that there are so many factors that come in to mix with um, the quality and quantity of our friendships. Yes. And the fact that we almost have to give ourselves permission to allow our friends to fill some of the roles that our spouses or our partners may not want to or may not do and how we can continue to grow and feel inspired by allowing our friends to take that part to play that role and so seeing our friends as a support system that is there for life and is there for us just like we are there a part of other people's support systems and i get this image of many different circles interacting for some people we may be in the top five for other people we may be somewhere in the in the 25 or or 30 category but if we kind of keep those circles spinning and we keep our energy interacting then all of those support systems can work together for us in improving the quality of our life. Well, so I think that at some point in this friendship series, it seems like a series that we're doing now, uh, we, need to, we need to discuss the friends that we had as couples, because I've had this conversation with women who have divorced. Now we're all friends. Now, then now do you pick sides? Or has, has lost their husband or wife and now how do they feel? They're feeling from what I've, I've had conversations with friends that I don't get invited to as many parties or as many functions as I once did when I was a couple. So now I'm a single woman and my married friends don't invite me to participate in dinner parties anymore. It's so a very that, big topic. So that's a very big topic that we need to address in this, in this friendship series. And if we choose sides, how does that work? And if you, and if your girlfriend now is more needy than she was when she had a husband, how do we then work that relationship out? So the, there's 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 lots of of peaks and valleys to this friendship uh, game. There's lots of different skills that go into being more aggressive about friendships when we're more alone. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's another piece to add is how do we develop and what skills do we need to develop? Even what attitudes and beliefs do we need to hold in order to keep our friendships refreshed and, um, and appropriate for us at different stages of our life? It reminds me of the maxim that we 
have friends sometimes for different reasons, friends sometimes for different seasons, and then they're friends for a lifetime. We welcome your suggestions. Please visit our website at boomgoddessradio.com. Reach out to us. Use the Contact Us tab. Let us know what you think and what kind of topics you'd like to hear. Thank you for tuning in today. This is Dr. Andrea, Jennifer, and Bibi, your Boom Goddesses, signing off. Each voice of wisdom shares ripples out into our universe and inspires so many others. Namaste. For technical reasons, portions of this program have been pre-recorded.